Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. My name is Sarah Rich, and my husband Evan and I have just come out with our new cookbook called Rich Table. It was so nice to meet you at High Street on Hudson Wednesday night and taste dishes out of this cookbook. I want to kick things off by talking about some of the incredible dishes I had. First, let's start with one of the snacks, the cranberry bean dip on page 66. Describe this dish and what are cranberry beans? So cranberry beans are a fresh shelling bean and they're really, really delicious and we love to use them at at Rich Table. You know, one of the things that we're really lucky to have at Rich Table is, you know, being in San Francisco, we have these great farmer's markets. And so, you know, we get so much great produce and we can change the menu constantly. Um, so with the cranberry bean dip, um, we wanted to make something that was sort of like similar to kind of a hummus, because that's one of our favorite things to eat, but a little bit different. And so um, we use cranberry beans instead because they have kind of that same rich creaminess, but um, just something a little bit different. And then talk a little bit about the plancha bread. Is that how you pronounce okay, it? Okay, yeah. Yes, plancha bread. So we call it that. We have um, something in our kitchen called a plancha, which is basically just like a flat top or a griddle. Um, so we make this bread. It's really, really easy bread to make. Uh, and we roll it out into little balls and then roll that out into a nice long um, sort of oval shape. And grill it right on the plancha. So it gets, it has a nice sort of yeasty flavor. It's got some whole wheat in it. So it's got a little nice texture to it, nice chewiness, but then, you know, cooking it right on the flat top or the griddle um, gives it a really wonderful flavor and a little, you know, crispiness to the outside. It's kind of like a pita dough, um, but instead of puffing it up in the oven, we just grill it flat on the griddle. So we serve the cranberry bean dip with that. And then we have some fresh, um, wax beans, or, you know, you can use runner beans or green beans or broad beans, you know, whatever sort of pole beans like that, um, slice it up nice and thinly, dress it with a little bit of our shiro vinaigrette and some padrone peppers that we've charred, which gives it a little spiciness. Yeah, it was kind of a fresh take on the pita and hummus. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A very California rich table take on that. (laughs) By the way, my husband said if we lived in California, we'd go here once a week. Oh, good. Well, that's what we want. We, always, I know. we say that about Rich Table. We want it to be the kind of place where you could go for a special occasion or you could go every Tuesday night for a grilled steak and a pasta. I wish you'd come back to New York City, but anyway, that's beside <laughs> the point. <laughs> and I digress. Um, so next, I had the sprouted quinoa cakes with summer squash and chev on page 178. Describe this dish. So we really try to have a lot of vegetarian options. You know, the way our menu is broken down, we've got our bite section, which are, you know, really tiny little things to eat, snacks to have when you start your meal, Um, appetizers, we have pastas, and then we have our main courses, of course. You know, we always have a steak, we always have some sort of fish or something like that, but we like to also have a nice vegetarian option. And, you know, we want to do something beyond just like saute vegetables on a plate. And so this is an example of that. You've got the, the sprouted quinoa, the, you know, sprouting it kind of gives it, uh, softens it a little bit and helps it actually your body digest it a little bit easier. 
Um, and then we make the cakes out of that and griddle them again on the plancha. So, and you know, the chef goes really nicely with that. For my main course, I order the buttermilk poached chicken um, that's on page mm-hmm. 205. I don't okay. think I've ever had poached chicken at a restaurant. I cannot tell you how buttery and moist it was. Describe exactly. this dish. So my husband and I met at a restaurant uh, called Boulay, which is downtown in Tribeca. Yes. Um, and this was actually something, a technique that we learned there. Um you know, chicken on a menu, even Evan's mom, she ordered the same dish. She came to the to the dinner as well. And she said, you know, I never order chicken when I go out to eat. And I think a lot of people feel that way because they're like chicken. I make chicken all the time at home. But this is a way to make chicken. And it makes it just like you said, very buttery. It's a, it's a beautiful texture. So we um, take the breast and put it in a, a bag and add, you know, buttermilk, season it really nicely. And then you just poach it in a water bath really slowly and gently so that that buttermilk, you know, it's its own little warm bath for the chicken. It kind of permeates the meat. It gets that, you know, buttermilk has kind of a tangy saltiness to it, um, a richness to it that gets into the meat, makes it super tender. And then cooking it, you know, slowly like that just keeps it really, really nice and makes it buttery, like you said. The salted caramel panna cotta on page 240 was interesting, Mm -hmm. and I thought the coffee was all the way through, but it was just the crumble that was the coffee. Yes. Yeah. So I like, with my desserts, texture is very important to me, and also I actually have a savory background. Um, I make the desserts at Rich Table, but the majority of my training is um, you know, on the savory side of things. And so I come to desserts from that perspective. Uh, for me, I think a lot of people make desserts that are overly sweet, um, really heavy. And I like a little, a little saltiness to what I do. So obviously a little salt in the caramel panna cotta and then, um, the crunch from the coffee crumble, which, um, gives, you know, A lot of people are afraid of bitter as a flavor, but I think bitter is a very useful tool. So it adds a little bit of bitterness to kind of counter the, you know, the sweetness of the caramel. And then the whipped cream kind of balances everything out and adds a little nice, you know, smooth texture as well. Last but not least, I don't drink coffee. I don't even Mm -hmm. like coffee. But your rich <laughs> table coffee knocked my socks yes. off. Um, the recipe is yes. on page 278. Talk about this uh-huh. cup of deliciousness. So when you come to San Francisco, one of the things that you do as a tourist is you go to uh, the Buena Vista Cafe, which is down near Fisherman's Wharf, and they make a classic Irish coffee. And, you know, they do a fantastic job of it. So we wanted to sort of put our own spin on that classic San Francisco cocktail So um, we use Fernet Branca, which is um, an Amaro, which is very, very popular out in San Francisco. In fact, when you are a line cook um, working in the city, that is what you drink at the end of a shift, Uh, which, you know, coming from New York, we had we didn't really know that. And so that was uh, something that we learned being out in San Francisco. So we included that in our Irish coffee. And then we also add a little pistachio cream to it, which I mean, you can't, I mean, pistachio and coffee go really wonderfully together. And I mean, it's just such a sort of rich, luxurious um, ingredient to add that makes it really delicious. Nobody doesn't like the rich coffee. (laughs) 
I could Ask literally drink this every day. It would make me yeah. a coffee drinker. Yeah, yeah. We have that is a common opinion. My mom is not a coffee drinker. She loves the rich coffee. Evan's parents don't, you know, drink coffee too much. They love it. Anybody who has it loves the rich coffee. So you're traveling to a few different cities cooking out of this cookbook. How is it mm-hmm. cooking in a different kitchen? Does it throw off your flow? I mean, for sure. That is always you know, a difficult part of it because you're, you know, in your own kitchen, you're used to where things are. You're used to, you know, how things are done. You don't have to run around searching for things because you know exactly, you know, what you're looking for, where to go. You've got the team that you're used to working with that, you know, working in a kitchen is kind of like being in a ballet. You know, there's a little dance that you do and your movements and where you go and, you know, who you, who you're dancing with. And so you don't have that sort of flow in a, in a different kitchen. So it's always challenging. Even, I mean, we've done dinners in, you know, some of the nicest kitchens in the country and it's difficult even in those. So, um, yeah, it's a challenge, but it's also really fun. It's really fun to see how, um, how other people experience your food and their reaction to it. And especially, you know, working with cooks, um, how, how, you know, how they, how they react to your food or, you know, the questions they have. Um, so it's fun. It's challenging, but it's fun. You learned your techniques and flavors working at some of the best restaurants in the United States. Where did you and your husband, Evan, hone your skills? Um, you know, we definitely, like you said, we worked in some really great restaurants uh, in here in New York and then also out in California. And that's where you really, for sure, learn learn those basic techniques that you need, um, to, to master how to be a good cook. Um, and then when you, we opened our restaurant, you know, you sort of draw from those experiences and you draw from, from things that you've learned in terms of flavor and texture and how to put a dish together. Um, and then, you know, you just sort of have to break free from just doing what you're comfortable with and start to um, kind of develop your own perspective. So I guess what I mean is, you know, when we first opened Rich Table, we were definitely drawing from all of the places we've worked, you know, even like, for example, the buttermilk poached chicken, you know, that was a technique that we learned at Boulay. We brought it over to Rich Table. And then, you know, years later, you sort of evolve and start really putting your own solid perspective into things. One thing I hate about fine dining is that you have to dress up. When my husband and I want to eat out in New York City, we don't want to dress up like it's prom. Um, So I'm so happy to see that you embrace a casual atmosphere with sort of fine dining level food. Right. Yeah, that is also very important to us. Um, I mean, we have the same experience and the same feeling. In fact, being back in the city, we've been, you know, eating around town and we noticed that, you know, we leave our hotel room and we're wearing like jeans and a tank top and some sandals and, you know, let's go and anywhere in San Francisco wouldn't be a problem. And here you walk in and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm clearly (laughs) the least (laughs) properly dressed person in this restaurant. So it is kind of on one level, just sort of a California mentality, but it's also true that we don't like dressing up. I mean, Evan hates it more than anything. He just wants to be able to go as is, you know, you know, a button down or whatever, but feel 
he doesn't, he doesn't like that feeling of feeling uncomfortable when you walk into a space. And so we don't want our guests to feel that way either. And we've worked in so many restaurants where, you know, our friends want to come visit us, but they feel awkward. So they don't. So we want, it was really important to us to create a space where everybody felt welcome. And, you know, like Rich Table is like that. It, it can be an, you know, it can be an event kind of dinner. You can get dressed up. You can, you know, go to the opera, wear your nice dress, wear your nice suit, stop at Rich Table, have a meal. But you can also just go into the movies that night or maybe you just want to hang out at dinner. And, we, you know, there is no dress code. I love that. In the cookbook, you wrote, we choose ingredients and put them together based on our understanding of what makes your palate sing. A couple of ingredients you love are gelatin sheets, Douglas fir powder, isomalt, <laughs> and pop sorghum. Describe a few of these. <laughs> yeah, that is an interesting grouping. Yes, yeah. we do use all of those things. So um, Douglas fir is something that we really started using when we were doing, before we had opened Rich Table, we started doing kind of um, uh, pop-ups and we were, you know, trying to figure out menus and we would um, take these hikes through Marin um, and specifically, actually one of the first hikes we ever took was when Evan was, um, he was interviewing for the chef cuisine position at a restaurant called Quince which is one of the best restaurants in San Francisco. Uh, at this point, it has three Michelin stars, four-star restaurant in the Chronicle. It's, it's a fantastic restaurant. So um, he was, you know, trying to think of dishes to put together and we're wandering through, you know, h- hiking Mount Tamalpais and there are all these Douglas fir trees around and they've got their fresh, you know, spring shoots with these little tiny soft feathery, you know, green shoots and we're picking those off and smelling them and Evan was like, hmm, I think I'll use this in something and, you know, put together a dish and ended up getting the job and was there for about a year. And so, you know, that's how we sort of discovered this flavor of Douglas fir. And so we started incorporating it into our dishes and our pop-ups. And then later um, when we opened Rich Table, and it's just something that it's just so California. It's just to us, the flavor, the smell, all of those things just are very so much a part of our experience in California. And, and so we love it. We use it in our bread. We use it in cocktails. I've used it in dessert, you know, and it's, it's, you know, a little bit goes a long way. Um, you don't want the food to taste like a Christmas tree, but just that little essence of like a tiny citrusy quality is really nice. Um, and then, you know, isomalt, we make a lot of um, little twills, which are kind of like, kind of like a cookie crackery sort of thing, very crunchy. And isomalt is a, it's kind of like a, a type of sugar where it has the qualities of sugar when you, when you cook it. So you can get that, you know, like brittleness, um, but it doesn't have all of the sweetness. So it's really useful in, if you're making like a savory twill, so you want it to sort of shatter like glass, like you could do if you made, you know, a caramel, but it doesn't have that sweetness. Um, the gelatin that, you know, we use to give body to things or, you know, to, to set things like a panna cotta. And then, um, what was the other one? Popped sorghum. Oh, popped sorghum. Oh, that's a great one. So (laughs) popped sorghum. So sorghum, um, is a grain and it gets used, uh, a grass seed, sorry. It gets used a lot of times, you know, as a syrup, um, in the South, but it also, it's like a little tiny 
little tiny seed. You can actually buy them uh, seeds online really easily at this point. And we pop it just like you pop popcorn. We get oil really hot, throw the seeds in it, and they pop just like tiny. I mean, they really, they look exactly like tiny, tiny popcorn. And so it's a fun little um, way to add a little texture. I keep coming back to that because texture is just so important to us in our food. So it's a little crunch. It's a little, it's actually a little bit nuttier than popcorn. I mean, it's really fun. I mean, everybody who sees it is like, oh my God, tiny popcorn. And I make it for my kids. Sometimes I'll take a bag home and just pop. They, I mean, they love to see tiny popcorn. Um, so we've used it all over, all over the place. Did you know there's a region in China and they eat things just for the texture? I like, They prioritize <laughs> the texture over the flavor. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a really, it's a really important part of um, the enjoyment of the food, I think. You also wrote in the cookbook, you have to understand to a girl from a small Southern town, there's this fascination with New York City. It's where life happens. And I thought the very same thing growing up in Kansas, and now I live Mm -hmm. in New York City. What was Mm -hmm. it like for you coming to the big city to go to the French Culinary Institute? Oh, it was was amazing. It was um, like, I, I mean, it was I don't want to say a dream come true because that sounds so, I mean, I don't know, cheesy, but it was, it was, uh, I, I never would have thought that I would have done that. You know, I'm a pretty, I was saying this to somebody the other day, I'm a pretty, um, shy kind of quiet person and not, you know, not super brave about things like that. And, um, I don't think it, it was something that anybody would have expected of me. And, you know, when I, there were plenty of people when I told them I was moving to New York, they laughed at me and they said, you'll never make it. That city's going to eat you up. And, um, and it was really fulfilling a dream. It really was, you know, you used to watch these movies. Like I say in the book, working girl and Melanie Griffith is on the Staten Island Ferry looking, yes. you know, into Manhattan. And uh, it just it seemed like such a vibrant, exciting place where you could make anything happen. And, and it was that, I mean, that's exactly what it was for me. And, I remember moving to the city. I lived in Hoboken at the time and um, was going to the French Culinary Institute in Soho. And it was so exciting to, you know, take the PATH train and, you know, walk from uh, the World Trade Center up to uh, uh, Soho. You know, I tried to walk as much as I wanted to, I could, cause I, so I could see everything. Working down in Tribeca, you know, later at Boulay. It was just, it was amazing. It was everything that I wanted it to be. I just posted something on Instagram telling about how I grew up in Prairie Village, Kansas, and I would stay up late watching Saturday Night Live every weekend. And just the intro, I was like, everyone's asleep in Prairie Village, but everyone's out in New York City. And, and you I know, was at like, this point, I'm missing something. <laughs> yes, exactly. And people will, you know, sometimes we'll have a, a young cook in their 20s or you, you know, even early thirties and they say, Hey, I'm thinking about maybe moving to New York city for a while. What do you think? And I always say, do it, yes. do it now, do it. Absolutely. Because there's a point where you won't, you know, there's a point where your life will have moved past a point where you're willing to take that leap. 
Um, so I 100% always encourage people to do it if it's something they want to do. Since your food is so unique, I can only imagine Rich Table. Your restaurant in San Francisco is to describe the space. Um, it's actually a really lovely space. It's a corner uh, restaurant. So, And we have these huge windows that go floor to ceiling almost. So it lets in um, the most wonderful light. It, whenever we do photo shoots, whoever, the photographer is always just beside themselves with how great the lighting is. They almost never have to do any sort of tweaking. Um, so it's really warm um, and really just light and really nice. Um, it, it's funny, when we first found the space, there were a number of people that were like that. I don't know why you chose that space because it's a little bit off from sort of the main area of Hayes Valley and a little bit closer to the mission. And But now people are, you know, they want to know how did we find it? It's such an amazing space. Uh, and they're a little jealous, but uh, it's, so it's um, a corner space with big windows. You walk in and there's the house stand right there, a nice long bar over to your right. Um, and then we've got an open kitchen. So on the other side of the bar is the, where the pass is, where the chef's stands and all the um, line cooks and the sous chefs are there on the hotline cooking the food, passing it over to the chef. The servers are coming up, picking up the food, taking it to tables. Um, and so it's very, very vibrant and you feel that, that sort of energy throughout the entire space. Um, we've got a banquette along one wall with long, um, boards that go up to the ceiling that were from an old barn up in Petaluma. They were salvaged. And so those line the walls. Um, yeah, that's, that's for table. <laughs> now to my new segment called my last meal. If you had to place an order for your last supper on earth, what would it be? Oh, it's so easy. It would be a grilled steak with a fully loaded baked potato. Wow. That was fast. <laughs> People are usually well, like, you know hmm. what? no, you know what? I, I normally I would be, I normally I'm, I'm terrible at answering questions like that. Cause it's, I'm like, I don't know. I like this. I like that. What would it really be? But the last couple of times I have made myself a steak and a baked potato, I have thought this, this is just it. This is my last meal. And so now I just know that's it. I mean, there are many things to love. There are many meals to be had. There are many things that would satisfy me. But I really just think that's it. <laughs> Where can we find you on the web, social media, and in San Francisco? So we are found on Instagram uh, at Rich Table. It's just that simple. Um, I am Sally Hurricane, and Rich Table is located at 199 Gotch Street in San Francisco. And what's your website? Uh, RichTableSF.com. It was so nice to meet you in person and taste food out of this glorious cookbook. And thanks for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was fun talking to you. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please take a moment to rate and review Cookery by the Book. You can also follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book. Twitter is I am Susie Chase. And download your kitchen mixtapes, music to cook by on Spotify at Cookery by the Book. Thanks for listening. <laughs>